So in today's modern world, when it comes to communication, when it comes to phones, when it comes to texting and all this kind of thing, uh, I have found anyway, and I presume it's your experience as well, that especially with the younger generation, they actually find it difficult to have a, what's known as a conversation. Uh, just a sit-down conversation between two people where you're in each other's physical presence and you actually speak, right? Uh, I think phones have kind of spoiled us in a way that someone can write to you and you can read the message and go, mm, yeah, think about it for half an hour or a day and then write, well, no, you can't, if you write back after a day, that's considered ghosting someone almost, whatever. Anyway, so you have, you have loads of time to reflect and think about it and then whenever you want, you write back and then they reply and then you think about it again. You know, what I'm saying is you take the conversation at the pace you want, if you want any pace at all. You know, and then of course there's no, there's, well, there's no physical interaction, there's no expression on your face, so you send an emoji, a little cartoon type thing to represent what, 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 what emotion you're experiencing at the time, or what emotion you want them to think you're experiencing at, at the time, when you're really annoyed and you smell, send a smiley face anyway. But, um, so you can camouflage what you really think. Same with Facebook and those kind of things. You project a certain version of yourself, a certain image of yourself. You, you, you scroll through like the 10, 20, 30 pictures of yourself and post up the one that looks good or the one that you think looks good, or the one that you think emphasizes whatever traits that you, you think are desirable. Basically, you're constantly kind of filtering and, and, and choosing how much you engage in a conversation, what kind of distance there is and what kind of distance there isn't. Whereas in a one-to-one in a, in a -one conversation, you don't have all those securities. You can't run away. Well, you can. Well, I suppose you can. Uh, but generally speaking, you're face-to-face you're -face with the person. They ask a question, and now you have to answer and they can see the reaction on your face, and they can see your body language, and they can see um, maybe the sincerity of what's going on inside you. Maybe you feel a little more exposed. You can't hide behind a screen anymore. And I find that interesting, all that topic very interesting when we think about also our relationship with God. Uh, in our first reading today, it's from uh, the end of Deuteronomy, we have the account of Moses dying, and it speaks about Moses. Uh, in, in very wonderful, in very beautiful terms, uh, but most especially as regards how it describes his relationship with God. Since then, there has never been such a prophet in Israel as Moses, the man the Lord knew face to face. So Moses was the man that, that, that the Lord knew face to face. Strangely, I think when it comes to our, our faith and our, and our prayer lives, we often don't have this aspect to it. We don't have this idea that I can or even I should relate to God face to face, one to one. I think there are a couple of problems we'll probably speak about, just, maybe just three this morning, when it comes to, to our relationship with God face to face. Uh, firstly, we might think the problem is on his side. Okay? Which it rarely is. Uh, that the problem is on God's side, that God isn't actually interested in me as an individual. Okay, so if the problem is on God's side, then God looks and he just sees humanity, all 7.5 billion of us, and there's a whole lot to do and a whole lot of intentions coming in, and the Pope is asking for all sorts of things. And so God is busy, occupied with, with those kind of global issues, right? You know, world peace and, and recycling and. Uh, what all the, these holy people and saints are asking him to do. But is he interested in what little old me asks? Is he interested in us as individuals? We might 
believe that, well, no, he isn't really. And I get it. Like, I mean, there's, there are lots of important people out there, so maybe they take precedence. Is he interested in little old me? Well, the answer is yes, but I might not believe it. I might not believe it. When God creates us, when, when especially uh, so when, God, when God creates us, every single person has an immortal soul, which means every single human being will live forever. Not here on earth, but our souls afterwards will live forever. The soul is, is it's not, it's like the body. It doesn't need nourishment in the same way. So when the body dies, the soul continues to live. So we have been created with an immortal soul. Now, in virtue of our baptism, then, we become children of God. Children. So if a mom has five, six, ten kids, as they used to maybe back in the day, it's not like just because you, you've got ten, now you, there are a few that are disposable or dispensable, or, or you know, there are a few that you, that, 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 whose names you can hardly remember, whatever it may be. I mean, you love them all. It doesn't matter how many you have. Each is loved as an individual because they're your children. And so even more so, even infinitely more so with God, it doesn't matter how many of us there are, especially in virtue of our baptism, when we become his children, then he, he knows us and loves us as a father, the best of fathers would love his child. If it's one of us or 10 billion, it makes no difference. We have his undivided attention. He knows us. And he seeks our face. The psalm says, it is your face, O Lord, that I seek. Hide not your face. And that brings us on to point two. So the problem isn't from God's side, that God isn't interested in us as individuals, that God doesn't want to be with us. Of course he does. He does. He does. God is love. It's not something he... God, love isn't an action that God does. It's his very essence. It's what he is. God wants. God constantly loves us. Can't not constantly love us because he is love. So the problem isn't on his side. Now, so maybe the problem is on our side. Maybe, firstly, maybe we didn't even know we were supposed to be looking for a personal relationship with God. That, I would think, is, is probably fairly common as well, especially maybe my parents' generation and that. I don't think the faith was ever presented in a way that you're actually supposed to look for a personal relationship with God. I think the idea was, do what he asks, go to Mass, be a good boy or girl, don't break the commandments if you can at all, and then you're good to go. That's kind of it, the, you know, especially the whole Mass thing. Once you go to Mass, that's that box ticked. Now you're a good God-fearing Catholic. What more is there to do? I don't think it was ever really understood that we're actually supposed to be looking for a relationship with God, not just believing he exists, but that I actually have a, a relationship. So that might, that might be another problem. We didn't know, maybe we didn't know this was even the goal. Okay, so if we presume so that the problem isn't on God's side, and that we know that this is the goal, so a personal relationship with God, then we may not feel worthy. Problem number three. We may not feel kind of ready or, 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 or acceptable to God. I mean, like, I mean, I'm, maybe I haven't killed anyone. I'm all right, like. But I don't really feel I can have a relationship with God. I mean, maybe he's just too holy and I'm just not even close to holy enough so maybe it's kind of just okay look Lord I mean thanks for everything you're great and all I'll just I'll just stay I'll just stay in the back though I'll just just if I'm in desperate need I'll call on you but like uh, I don't think we can do this whole personal relationship thing because I'm just not good enough like I'm just not I'm just not there 
And the Lord is at pains in all of the Gospels to reach out to the lost, to reach out to those who were furthest from him, to reach out to those who had been rejected by society of the time. It's not the healthy that need the doctor, but the sick. Or he says to St. Faustina, that your sins be as scarlet, come and draw all the mercy you need from my heart. So the Lord has come to seek and save the lost, to seek and save those who are furthest away and draw them into a relationship with him. Because this is what heaven is. Even like when we receive Holy Communion, it's not as so much a thing as, as a relationship. I enter into a Holy Communion with God. God comes and lives in me. So the Lord seeks me. The Lord seeks my face. The Lord seeks my attention. And he wants us to seek him in return. And if so, even though it will never be written about her and it will never be known, maybe this reality can become ours too. There has never been such a prophet in Israel as Moses, the man the Lord knew face to face. Maybe it is possible that the Lord would know us face to face and that we would know him that we could have this holy communion with him, enter into a holy communion with him. Even in, in the most simplest of ways, as we heard in the gospel, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in their midst. So maybe this is actually much easier than we thought. The Lord is already doing his side. Am I doing mine? Am I dedicating time to prayer? And when I'm in prayer, when I'm at Mass, do I open my heart? Keeping in mind that the goal here isn't just to do the Mass thing, but the goal is to enter into a, a relationship with him, to come to know him in here. So Lord, we ask you today to renew our faith, renew our desire for you, that we might come to know and love you as you know and love us.